All right. Welcome, everybody. This is the Joe Danier podcast. I am back. Took a week off. Uh, got in the motorhome and took a trip down to Knoxville, Tennessee. Did some major hiking, like major hiking. Probably, and, and early in the studio, or early in the day in the studio, we had a group from the Boy Scouts of America come down and visit and do a promotional piece. And what was what was sort of most embarrassing about that is I was the least prepared survivalist on this hiking trip. And this wasn't like a go through a very, you know, manicured hiking trail. This was like a black diamond, it's a little bit dangerous, probably shouldn't do this on your first time kind of hiking trail. And you know what I had? I had a backpack and I brought um, a Pellegrino, a granola bar, and maybe what? Maybe maybe a jacket? And that's as prepared as I was for an 11 mile up the side of a mountain hike, like really advanced hike. And so at one point in the trip, it came up that we needed a knife for something. And I thought, oh crap, like I don't have a first aid kit. I don't have a canteen. I don't have a compass. I don't have matches. I don't have everything that the Boy Scouts had taught me from when I was in kindergarten. I blew out the window and decided to risk it all on a camping trip where I was ill-prepared. So that was my deal. So a little bit, uh, rewinding that a little bit. On the way down there, it's it's phenomenal. I'm, an, I'm a deep thinker, right? So I, I love sort of like sitting in total quiet before everybody's awake, sitting in front of a, a, a fire in the fireplace, making it super freaking quiet and just jump into my thoughts and staying there for a little bit. I have the best ideas that come if I can get my mind quiet enough and my environment's quiet enough to do some pretty deep thoughts. Well, anyway, there's a phenomenon that when you're driving this motorhome, you can't do anything else when you're driving a motorhome. If you've never driven one, it's this beastly, uh, almost as big as a lane vehicle where you put two hands on the steering wheel and the entire trip, you are navigating, being blown and pushed around the roadways. To do it safely, you need absolute concentration. But you kind of get into muscle memory mode every once in a while when you're on these trips where you can do the driving and you can do the maneuvering and you can keep safe and you're allowed your mind to drift into that same sort of like quiet meditation state to do some of the deepest thoughts. The problem is that when you're in those states, it's really tough to be able to remember to... Um, you know, to commit those. Like if I want to talk about it on my podcast or on one of the radio shows, or I want to blog it or put it on Substack or put it on Facebook or Twitter, uh, I'm going to have to remember those awesome ideas and thoughts. And a lot of times I don't retain those great thoughts. And so I have maybe 50 of them and I retain maybe one or two. And then I get home and everybody wants to talk about this Twitter thing. And I'm I'm not really, I don't really have much to add to it. I know I'm a tech, technology guy. I know that Elon Musk is in, in my stable. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, a, a guy buying a company and may, looking to improve it is no different. I don't really have a political stance. I will say that I'm a little annoyed with how sort of partisan and polarizing some of something that shouldn't be as polarizing. Uh, the tribalism and the groupings that, that happen because of crap like this, it's, I kind of, I don't know. I, I get disinterested in it because there's no nothing uh, profitable that that comes from it. You can't, you know, get any better because it's happening. Because you can't even have good conversations. The people who are opposed to it uh, will hate you a little bit more if you take 
on a position. So I'll move on to something that is a little bit, but that's all I want to talk about. Nobody wants to talk about me uh, and the death defying hiking trip that I took uh, up these mountains with little or no preparation. I'm going to go with, it was a challenge where somebody said, I bet you can't go on top of a mountain and bring no supplies and survive. Because on that trip, one of our, one of our parties took a, a face plant on, on one of the trails, uh, gashed up her head pretty good. And, uh, and, and that's sort of like what, thankfully the other parties, uh, you know, a couple of the people in our party, uh, were more, more prepared than we were, had a first aid kit and they were able to do some, uh, you know, bandaging and, and stopping the blood and, and getting her off of the mountain. But I thought, man, that is so irresponsible to go to a place and just assume that you can jump on the back of a horse and, and ride it uh, without any kind of practice or preparation. But I guess that's what us tourists do. We go into it ill-prepared. And the people who do this seriously are looking at us like we're freaking crazy. Because you always read about those people who go rock climbing and somehow figure out a way to die. It's probably because you thought you could do it, but the serious people actually train for it. And they prepare for it and they're educated about it. Us dumb tourists just go into it thinking we can do anything and end up getting ourselves killed or beat up or injured. But anyway, that's me beating up on myself. But it was kind of cool. Um, but what I thought is there are a lot of things that I really like doing. For instance, like running. One of the most motivating things that I tell myself or repeat to myself is there's a lot of times when I want to run and I have like a chest cold and I can't breathe properly. And I tell myself like, as soon as I get better, I can't wait to run. But then when I'm better and I don't run, it's kind of disappointing because at least I had a reason for not doing the thing before. But now I have no reason. I still didn't get my butt out of bed and go where when I was sick, I would have given anything to feel good enough to be able to do that. So I, I take that perspective and you think of deathbed, you know, the deathbed perspective or a long-term illness or, you know, you can't play soccer because you just broke your leg and what you would give to be healed enough to go play soccer. But once you're there and you're healed, then you think that you have infinite ability at that point and you blow it off and you don't do all the things that you say you would do if you are healthy. And so that phenomenon, I, I wish to like really kill off in my world. I, I am at my worst when I think that I have infinite supply. Think about any other time you, you have, you know, a pallet of bottled water, and you waste it, you drink half a bottle and, you know, whatever, but you get down to your last Pellegrino on the side of a mountain and you suck down every droplet of water that's in that bottle. You treat it differently when you think there's scarcity. I don't like thinking of scarcity. I think scarcity is awful. I think you, you get defensive and you don't trial things and you build walls around yourself. So I think I'm at my worst when things are scarce and I'm at my worst when I think things are plentiful. So it's a balance between when, when, when I got to, you know, check myself into when I feel myself taking for granted that there's an infinite supply, I'm like, hold up, right? Because I, I get lazy and I get, uh, you know, taking things for granted and I'm, I'm stupid in that moment. And I got to reel it back or, you know, roll it back a little bit. But again, when, when it's scarce, then I truly value it and I, I savor it and I, I slow walk it. I'd really enjoy things a little bit better. So if you go through your world, and you cherry pick the where you're at your absolute best. You you recognize when you're at your best. Like when I'm driving home and I can't run, 
I'm sorry, when I'm driving home or when I'm driving around and I can't commit thoughts to a piece of paper, but then I can later on and I don't, that's when it gets real disappointing. So you don't have to wait. That's the message in that is that you don't have to wait till you can't do something for the realization that you should have done it when you felt better. Think of all the youth that you had of doing something. And then you get too old or you're, um, you know, you, you get in a different financial position and you're sitting around thinking, man, that regret that I have is that I should have done it. But did it occur to you? Did it occur to you when you had health and when you had enough money and you had enough time and you had enough opportunity that you need to capitalize it when it's there? Because the scarcity uh, villain, the scarcity troll is going to come along and take some of your health away and take some of those opportunities away. And then you're going to regret it. Say, I don't want to be that dude. I do not want to be the guy on the deathbed saying all the things that I wish I'd have done. I'd much rather go out and do a bunch of erratic, crazy things my entire life at the wrong and most inopportune times so that I don't have to sit on that bed and have that regret knowing that I, you know, did everything that I could. When I could. But it's those micro volumes where I, I still, even though I don't have big regrets, I have a lot of little regrets in that same moment where I got lazy that I should have done something else. And you think about like when you don't spend enough time with your kid and, uh, and you, you know, you, you regret that, Hey, I, this happened to me recently. So my kid's going to get 18, 17, 15 years old, not wanting to spend time with me. And I'm going to remember when he was like, Hey dad, would you come play with me? And I'm going to feel like a total asshole because I blew off that moment thinking that those moments were going to be infinite and they're really not. But do you always want to put your yourself in check with all of those negative framed moments where you, you're the villain. You, you have guilt and regret, guilt and regret over and over and over again. And I, I just so don't want to be that. But the practice is you're, you're never actually going to be as lily white as, the example that I'm giving, you're always going to be, you know, decaying in one area where maybe your finances are really good, but your health sucks or your health is really good or your finances suck. And you're always going to be moving around trying to make those things better. So I'm going to use a little guilt. I'm going to use a little shame to put myself in check. I'm going to use a little bit of these examples to say, Hey, what, while you have the opportunity to make use of it, cause I got a picture of the time when that opportunity is not there. I got a little repetitive there, but this is important to me. This is the kind of stuff that makes a, an 80 year lifespan almost seem like a 160 year lifespan because you're doing more shit than other people are uh, when it comes down to it. When you compare the experiences of your world, if you crammed twice the amount of stuff, then you live twice the life that those other people have. And I will take that over the defensive lifestyle any freaking day. So thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. This is the Joe Daniel podcast.